Hey friends, welcome to the You Are You podcast. My name is Jenny Lien, and I'm the writer and artist behind The Yay Project. Come join in as we encourage each other to celebrate our God-given design, pursue our kingdom calling, and most of all, love God 100%. Can't wait to praise God with you. I don't know if you usually choose or feel God give you a word for the year. For the past few years, I felt God has given me a word for the year, and last year's was trust. To be honest, it didn't thrill me, even though I know that I know that God knows best. In 2020, I'd walked with God more closely than ever and experienced Him in incredible ways, and I thought I'd finally crack the secret to joy in life, follow God closely, and it would be joy upon joy. I mean, that is the secret to joy, and may we remember that joy and happiness are not the same thing. But, you know, before I got the word trust, I, you know, I've been dreaming about all the miracles and the fulfilled dreams I wanted to see happen in 2021. And then when I felt God tell me trust, I started to think that, you know, maybe things weren't going to happen exactly like I thought. You know, maybe I wasn't going to publish my first book and get married and buy a house all in the next year. God can do anything, right? I mean, why couldn't he give me anything and everything I wanted? He could if he wanted to, and I was going to ask. And now it's a year later, and 2021 was honestly one of the most unexpected years of my life. And when I had those God can do anything thoughts, it was the most mature I'd ever been in my Christian walk. And while it's still true that God could do anything, I had some growing up to do because, you know, after all, in reading the Bible, I probably could have gathered that God doesn't usually work like that. And so it's a new year, and I am honestly just amazed and thankful that we have the Bible. It is honestly the most comforting resource we have, is it not? Because it shows us example upon example of how God works, thinks, speaks. I mean, of course, praise God that we have the Holy Spirit to speak into our situations, but the Holy Spirit will never contradict the Bible. And so it's still essential that we're in the word daily, really learning about literally the wisest, mightiest being ever. And whenever I find, you know, anything else coming to mind more than verses, I realize that I probably need a reset, you know, like TV quotes, funny as they can be, won't help me really figure out what to do about, you know, the challenges that come in life. And just on another note, in the past, I've prayed for, you know, a blessed life where things don't go wrong which is maybe, you know, sweet and intention, but naive for God does say in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that you, that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So how does this relate to my 2021 and the title of this episode on what I've learned about church hurt? If you're turning into this episode, perhaps you're interested in learning more about church hurt, or maybe you've experienced it yourself. Maybe you're experiencing it now and wondering what to do. In any case, I just want to start with a prayer over us today because it's an extremely sensitive topic and hurt from perhaps the place where we expect to be, you know, least hurt in this world. Father God, I just thank you for your 
goodness and love, I thank you that no matter what trouble we face on this earth, we know that Jesus has already overcome. Already, he has conquered, promises never to leave us, that he will intercede for us. Will you help us to surrender our hearts to you today and every day and tenderly wait on what you want to reveal to us? Remind us of how sweet your love is and of your power to heal, restore, redeem. Help us to have compassion for one another and see things from your point of view, having wisdom to know when to act, speak, release, forgive, stay, leave, and knowing that your will in every situation is always for us to show love. Lead us today, Lord. Help us to surrender our lives and love you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So at the start of 2021, I had been praying about leaving my church. It wasn't something that I was expecting to do, but an experience with a senior leader at the end of 2020 had left me extremely uncomfortable. And right away, I want to encourage us to always see God in prayer when we experience this feeling. It's right to seek input from other spiritual leaders, perhaps parents, small group leaders who've walked with us, former leaders such as youth group leaders or from a childhood church or, or another church that we have attended. But it's so important that we, that we build that firm foundation with God for ourselves. Trust God's Holy Spirit is in you. Don't ignore your feelings of discomfort, but bring them to God. He will make your path straight. When I was having these feelings, I fir at first I tried to brush aside my hurt, you know, forgive on my own, just try and move on. But a little while later, you know, I was still feeling the pain and I started to pray, maybe, you know, pray rant really in God's direction, just talking through the reasons why I felt it was just not right and why I felt I should lead. And, uh, you know, I felt like I was right. I had good solid reasons, but in, in a way that I really couldn't ignore, I felt God asked me if I would stay. And I felt God gave it to me as a question. And I really prefer when I feel God telling me one option, you know, almost like God is like leading me and telling me what to do. But this was a question. And while something about this hurt was hitting deeper, I still had a lot of love for my church. I had a great small group. I was learning a lot. I learned so much about spiritual disciplines and spiritual gifts really grown in, you know, learning about how to pray from my prayer ministry leaders. And so I agreed, I prayed over my situation, tried to forgive again, and, and just tried my best to move on. And to make a complex situation simple, of course, not wanting to say too much, essentially mid-year, a number of situations were raised and then eventually Everyone in our church was made aware of what was going on, and it was difficult to process as I could relate to a lot of the situations. At this point, I hadn't shared specifics of what I had experienced, and now that other situations had come to light, I 
almost didn't think it was necessary. Overall, I felt it was just an opportunity to really take a look at what the Bible says about church hurt and spiritual abuse. When we go through tough situations, God knows, and maybe it was an opportunity just to press in and, and to learn. And so today I just wanted to share five things that I've learned through my six-month and counting journey of healing from church hurt in hopes that it will be useful and, and draws closer to God. Number one, cry out to Jesus. No matter what we might feel, no matter what others might say, we can have 100% confidence that God cares about our hearts. He'll definitely lead us to his truths and help us act in his ways. We're his daughters and we can speak with him honestly. So let's think of some beloved children of God that passionately shared their feelings with him. Let's look at Job who said things like, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Job 3, 25 and 26. Or Elijah, who said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. 1 Kings 19, 5. Make no mistake, there is no one greater or more, more worthy than God. And I, I loved restudying God's lengthy response to Job as I was preparing for this episode, because it's just so humbling and strengthening. It's incredible to ponder just how mighty he is. He can more than handle the full weight of our emotions. And I was going, as I was going through this, I came across an Instagram Q&A with um, Pastor Andrew of the Vine Church in Hong Kong, and I found his response to the question, as a Christian, how should I cope with difficult and toxic family members? Really useful for, for my situation as well. And he gave four points. Privately, before God, release all your emotion. Then publicly, before them, walk in the opposite spirit to your anger or hurt. Do so without allowing them to walk all over you. Being a forgiving Christian doesn't mean opening yourself up to habitual abuse. And do your best to pray for them. We're human. We have emotions. Sometimes they need to be released. And it's best to release it to God first and foremost because to speak carefully. When we're alone, passionately praying, maybe pray ranting to God, I think we have better discernment to hear when God is stepping in, redirecting, maybe cutting us off mid-rant. There's that Holy Spirit check. We can also get that Holy Spirit check if we're talking with friends, but sometimes it's not so smooth to stop and say, wait, what we're saying is turning ungodly. As Christians, I don't think we ever go into a conversation expecting to speak badly about another believer. But on a topic like church hurt and spiritual abuse, conversations can become very emotionally charged and turn from balanced to angry quite quickly. It can be easy to say more than you meant to and feel convicted afterwards. So this isn't to say that we can't talk to our friends. God definitely wants us in community. 
but it's just a nudge to yeah, to do our best to keep our speech edifying and watch that no unwholesome talk comes out of our mouths, only what is good for building up the body, Ephesians 4.29, and to not have conversations turn into idle speech, like ranting complaint sessions, Matthew 12.36. I think David's experience with Saul is really useful to study. Saul was his leader and should have protected and cared for him, but instead ended up trying to cause David great harm. And when David's life was in danger, he left. And perhaps he had many reasons to speak badly about Saul. Saul was clearly going through some things. But from what we can tell, David kept his mouth shut. Even after he left and had an opportunity to kill Saul, he chose not to, but instead cut a piece of his robe to show, you know, look, I could have killed you, but I didn't. He was filled with remorse, saying that he must not do anything against God's chosen king, 1 Samuel 24. And there's an episode of conversations with John and Lisa Bevere on responding to authority when you've been mistreated. The section stood out to me when Lisa said, I remember some people that came out against the pastor and talked bad about him. They were right in what they said, but they were wrong in what they did. We never endorsed what the pastor did, but you and I, talking about uh, herself and, and her husband, John, we said, we are not touching him. And we've lived long enough to watch what happened to the people that attacked him. Their lives were not successful. It was devastating to see. We understood that our words had the power to curse or bless, and we decided to take their horrible mishandling of a situation and use it as a lesson in our life rather than leverage it to make ourselves look good. It's not always easy to leave it all to God, but there's really no need to make ourselves look good to avenge ourselves. God's clear that he wants us to leave justice to him and not seek revenge for ourselves, Romans 12, 19. And when it comes to our words, God knows it's hard. James 3, 7 says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I imagine we've all said things we shouldn't have, and I pray that God helps us do better. May we remember that it's always a good time to repent, ask for forgiveness, and ask God to help us do better. Let's dedicate our tongues to the Lord today. Three, watch what you let in. I'm a huge advocate for sitting with the Lord in silence or with soft instrumental music. Just waiting and seeing what comes to mind, asking the Holy Spirit to lead my thoughts and just looking at whatever comes to mind as unexpected or as painful as it might be. At the moment, I live in Hong Kong, one of the fastest paced cities in the world. I mean, when I moved from Singapore, another urban city, even after having lived there for four years, it still took me a good year to get used to Hong Kong's hectic lifestyle. And in one of my group uh, chats the other day, we were supposed to meet at eight, but a third of the people had to work late. They had calls that started at 
10.30 p.m. or we're in a season of regularly working until 1 p.m. and so on. And this year, I've been able to set clearer boundaries at work. But last year, I too not infrequently worked until 9, 10, or 11 p.m. too. And all this to just say, living in this hyper-competitive, busy city can make me feel like there's always something more that I could do. Just another email, another fitness class, reading a book a week. Do you ever fall into that trap of starting to become a little more Martha than Mary? And as I processed the church situation last year, there were a couple of weeks where I felt like I moved into the Martha mindset of trying to consume as much information as I could handle from the church, from reading lists that were being shared, from podcasts that were being shared. And, you know, again, while I'd heard about spiritual abuse in church hurt before, I hadn't really looked into it, maybe because it it's really painful. And... During the process, I saw advice from a trusted spiritual leader from another point in my life who said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but spiritual abuse can often be painful on an entirely different level because it occurs in a place where we're supposed to be safe and from people that you know we feel are supposed to know better. And so as I read a lot and listened to various podcasts, including the entirety of Christianity Today's The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, after a few, which is which is really um, useful listening, and I think presented in a balanced journalistic way, but it can be quite heavy content to take in. And so, as I was taking it all in and and talking with friends who were also experiencing hurt and listened to other people's testimonies, I ended up having dinner with a close friend who wasn't as close to the situation. And I went into it thinking that, you know, I just keep it light and and not really say very much. But I think, you know, one, one thing led to another. And I just found myself speaking really angrily. And it's just like hurt and anger had been stewing and it just all came out. And it was a real check for me that something had gone out of balance. I don't think I usually react that way. At least I hadn't in a long time. And that was just a real wake up call. And I think I learned again, the beauty of just sitting with God in the pain. It's, it's great that we have resources to learn from spiritual leaders to speak with. But I, I think it's wise to make sure that we're seeking God about spiritual matters, reading our Bibles, being in prayer, waiting for his voice more than we are consuming um, other people's opinions, even if they're, you know, good Christian spiritual opinions, because there's nothing like God's comfort and conviction that speaks to us just so, just how he knows we need. Number four, reconcile if possible. Can we ever be reconciled with someone who's hurt us spiritually? I think it can be possible. When I was Thinking about leaving church in January, it didn't even cross my mind to approach the spiritual leader. But as the situation unfolded, there were some conversations about whether it's right to not want reconciliation. Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Whether or not we can do this may depend on a variety of factors, including safety. So I'll only speak about 
my personal experience. Before speaking to the spiritual leader, I felt like it was easier to do because I'd seen this person invite members of the body to help them see their blind spots. And I, I absolutely you know, understand that as humans, we can hurt people without realizing it. You know, it can be like a just a, an offhand comment. It can be a look. And we just don't realize. And if other people don't tell us, then we may not know. And so I thought maybe God was giving me an opportunity to live out Matthew 18, 15 for the first time. And maybe in Asian cultures, it can feel even more awkward when respecting our elders is so strongly ingrained in our cultures to go in and tell someone how they've hurt you. It can be just really awkward. But if you ever sense the Holy Spirit nudging you on this, I pray that you press in and pray and see how God leads you. In a nutshell, we met, I shared, the leader apologized and asked for forgiveness, and I felt afterwards that just something had tangibly lifted. It had been many months since I had started to pray over the situation and release it, but something like tangibly shifted afterwards. And I believe that to the best of our ability, we were now reconciled and I shouldn't be worried about whether or not this person would hurt me again or gossip about me. It was time to move on. And it also wouldn't be fair, you know, if I apologize, ask for forgiveness and, and try and do better. I wouldn't want anyone else holding it against me. Like, oh, what if she sins again? Like, that's just not how God wants us to be. I left that meeting ready to look forward, not back. But I also realized um, that just because you've reconciled, it doesn't necessarily mean you stay. And last point, go if or when God says go. The best place for us to be is always in God's will. If we sense God say it's time to go and we stay, we're disobeying. If we sense God say stay and we go, we're disobeying and we do not want to disobey God. And other times we may sense God giving us a choice and we can choose. So why did I leave my church after reconciling um, with that leader? If it had just been a one-off situation involving me and the leader, I think I would have stayed, but my situation and my experience was just part of a larger unfolding situation, and eventually I just didn't feel comfortable or safe. In the same podcast conversations with John and Lisa that I mentioned before, they also said, if you're at a church and you feel unsafe, you need to leave. If there's something that you know is unhealthy and you know is unsafe and you stay, then you become unhealthy. You can't feel like you're obligated to stay. I just want to say also that I think it's every individual's responsibility to seek God just because something is unhealthy for you doesn't necessarily mean it's unhealthy for every single person at that church. And I think we all need to decide for ourselves. And as I pray through looking for a new church, I felt great comfort when God reminded me that we're one body, we serve one God, and no matter what church I moved to in Hong Kong, I'd still, in a sense, be serving with my old church, and maybe I actually would be as well, you know? 
So for most of 2021, I felt like I was in survival mode in a lot of ways. The church situation was happening, but I also had an unexpectedly intense work here. And just receiving that word trust from God at the beginning of the year helped me focus on God. Like in all of this, he is with me and he has a plan. And then in the later half of the year, I felt God was speaking to me more about to step into a new season, that I had experienced things that I had been praying for, that I wouldn't expect to come, you know, so thick and fast. And even when hearing this, you know, I really was thinking that uh, sometimes I laugh at myself, like sometimes my dreams are really, you know, they they're so small. It's like, if I publish that book, if I get married, my dreams kind of end there. They don't anymore. But but for a while, it was kind of like that. And so when, when I felt God was saying things like new season, experience new things, my mind immediately went there. But actually, it was something else. And so I think since I took that step of obedience to leave, there have just been things that I can only describe as divine connections and invitations and opportunities to worship him. And so I say that not to brag in any way, like, ooh, I'm in a new season, but just I pray it's encouragement that even when we are stepping into a new decision and it's difficult, we've never done it before, the circumstances might be uncomfortable, we always have to follow the Holy Spirit, and we will see God's hand in it. I really pray that this episode was useful, and that my testimony will be edifying for you. Church hurt and spiritual abuse, they aren't easy topics to absorb or understand, but I pray we rely on God every step. So I just want to end with a prayer. Father God, we know that you are good. Help us to understand the weight of what Jesus died for and help us grow in step with the Holy Spirit this year. Consume us, Lord. Help us be more like you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the URU podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share the episode. Let's share God's love together. For podcast updates, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow Yay Podcast on Instagram. For reflections and art, follow the.yay.project on Instagram. Sending you lots of love and let's praise God together again next time.